0: foster care adoption is not a financial question it's a heart question i say that because after you spend zero to twenty five hundred dollars in the process get the federal adoption tax credit and the children you adopted receive free health care until age 18 this really isn't a money question it's a decision you make with your heart are you willing to help a child or sibling group heal and thrive are you willing to adjust your life to be a child's forever family But more deeply, are you willing to deal with your own past wounds and hurts to become an adoptive parent? Hi there. My name is Marcy Bursak, and I am your personal foster care adoption mentor. I've been through this experience myself adopting a pair of siblings. My heart for the remaining 113,000 children who are still waiting to be adopted led me to use a stimulus payment to publish the Forgotten Adoption Option, a 70-page guide through this process, and then launch this podcast a month later. Then in 2022, I wrote a children's book called Are You a Forever Family? And I launched the Forgotten Adoption Option app, which spells out exactly what to expect if you plan to grow your family through foster care adoption. You can find all of these resources at ForgottenAdoptionOption.com. I am so delighted that you're tuning in, and I want to welcome you to be real, real about your heart, real about any questions that are running through your mind. In season three, monthly episodes will cover strategies for thriving as an adoptive family, You might also enjoy Season 1, where you can hear personal stories of adoptive parents and adopted children, and in Season 2 episodes, where guests explain how to adopt U.S. children who are waiting for you in the foster care system. Whether you want to begin the adoption process right now or in the future, my heart is to help conquer the confusion and fears of the foster care adoption process so that fewer children continue to wait to be adopted. Welcome to the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast. In this episode, we will learn from an adoptive dad who has spent over 20 years in orphan ministry, primarily in Zambia, Africa. Gary Schneider is the founder and CEO of Every Orphan's Hope. He's also the vision catalyst and founder of Orphan Sunday. Hey, Gary.
1: Hey, Marcy. How are you?
0: I am so, so excited. To be able to like introduce you to my listeners and spend more time with you, which is so great. This episode is actually very personal to me. Gary's work through the Orphan Sunday movement ignited my family's adoption story. Now, my husband and I have been researching for like five years. How do we adopt older domestic children? And it was in 2013 that the church my husband and I were attending hosted something they called a Heart cry Expo. It was held throughout the Orphan Sunday weekend and included booths from several agencies involved with adoption. And one of those booths was hosted by a local agency that eventually licensed or trained my husband and me to go through foster care and to adopt. And had it not been for our church celebrating orphan Sunday, I'm honestly not sure we would have learned how to adopt older children in the United States. So fast forward 10 years from then in 2022. So just last year, I did a post on the various events occurring during November because November is national adoption month. And one of those events is called orphan Sunday. And somehow someone we mutually know someone tagged Gary in that post And Gary and I connected, and that's led to this super meaningful interview. So I am so, so excited that Gary not only kind of impacted my family's adoption journey, um, but that he was willing to talk about his heart in this whole space. So Gary, we're just going to jump right in because you have been through many things and have done such such good work, and it's beautiful. So I want to start with kind of my own story where I learned of Orphan Sunday through a church here in North America, but you helped me understand that that actually... The history of Orphan Sunday began in Africa. Can you tell us what led to the creation of Orphan Sunday?
1: Absolutely, Marcy. It's just, you know, uh, I'm just praising God really for what He did in your life on that Sunday in 2013, and I need to I need to tell you the origin story, right? Because I think it's all about the journey that we're all taking to to learn to that we can love children who are not our own as our own, right? Uh, So in in May of 1999. I'm traveling on a business trip. I pick up a USA Today, and the headline is a journey to the epicenter of AIDS. So I'm reading this with some interest and I go into the interior articles and there's one that says, Zambia, the cradle of Africa's orphan crisis. And as I'm reading that, and I'm just kind of taking in this global magnitude of orphanhood that's happening, all the children who've been left behind by this pandemic, I'm just kind of overwhelmed, Marcy, and, um, you know, I noticed the tears are falling on the newspaper. and I'm just I remember there was a little boy in the picture that was about the same age as my son at the time. and uh, And I just remember thinking, what would I hope somebody would do for my son
0: mm. if I wasn't
1: there, my wife wasn't there. and and we live in a, a developed world. what What is it like in the undeveloped or the low income world where you're leaving children behind? And so, I remember getting to the, the hotel that night and calling my wife who was back on the East coast. And, you know, it was like 1030 at night. She just put the kids to bed and I'm like, did you know there's 10 million orphans in Africa from AIDS? And I don't know what's happening. I think maybe we're going to go to Africa and be missionaries and, and help orphans. I, and she's like, have you been to the bar? Like what are you even <laughs> talking about? But the point is that's, you know, that from that moment on May 24th, 1999, I found myself a year later sitting in the dirt in Zambia, Africa, talking with people who were caring for orphans literally out of their utter poverty. Not that they had the means, but they had the desire in the heart and sitting with people uh, mostly connected with the the Christian church there. Uh, I befriended a pastor over three or four visits over about two years. And as we would talk about the orphan crisis, one day he shared, you've uncovered my shame. I said, pastor, what do you mean? And he says, you know, as a man of God, I know my responsibilities to provide Mm. for the orphan. My own children don't get three meals a day. And for the orphan, their needs are so overwhelming, and we're so impoverished, we feel like we fail at every turn. And so I've literally closed the doors of my church to the orphan. And that broke my heart, Marcy, you know, just to think about, there's the church, it's there, and, and he feels defeated in this battle to try to rescue and provide for orphans. So I'm flying home on that long 30-hour flight, and and I'm really, as as a man of faith, I'm praying, and I'm asking God, how is this man put to shame by this? And God never answered that question, but he did say, you know, put your shoulder to the load of that shame and help remove that by caring for the orphans. And so that was the beginning of the journey. I went back and met with that pastor, and as we prayed and we went through his community identifying orphans, um, again, the way the kind of Lord speaks to people Um, He said to me, imagine the glory to my name if my church will come together on one day with one voice for one purpose, to care for the orphan. And it was that simple, Marcy. I shared that with that pastor. Uh, A few months later, he hosted a first Orphan Sunday in his church. And what was so powerful was the people there in their utter poverty came forward with heads of cabbage. Some took off their shoes and put that in the offering plate to be sold to be able to Raise funds to help the orphans in their community. And so that was the, the genesis, the origin story of Orphan Sunday, a very impoverished, almost dirt floor church in Kalingalinga compound uh, in Lusaka, Zambia. Uh, and from there, it has grown to over a hundred countries in 20 years, churches of all denominations and all faiths. Actually, I was in Jordan and Israel a couple of years ago uh, with, with synagogues there and churches there that were celebrating Orphan Sunday. So it's it's remarkable to see what it's become. And to know that it touched your family uh, is just such a blessing.
0: Yeah. And it's incredible to hear where it started because it's so simple. Like it's, it's people want to help and you invited them, you invited them to participate in that. And just for people that may not follow the Christian tradition, when Gary was talking about how this pastor said, well, you've, you know, this is my shame. Uh, There's a verse in the Christian Bible that says true religion is to care for the orphans and the widows. And so this particular pastor felt like he wasn't caring. He wasn't doing kind of his duty as a pastor in this space. And so it's amazing to see, Gary, what you've done that is kind of a universal, I think we all universally can agree. We want to care for children, right? And and yes. you've helped invite all of us into that. And so Orphan Sunday has been going on for over 20 years now. And what is your vision and heart for its celebration? And then can you tell us when it is? And mind you, this podcast is going to be like out there forever. Uh so maybe you can help us know when to find it if it's like way in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So again, because this kind of started through through my faith tradition in a, in a church, um, I think that's what the original intent was for Orphan Sunday. It was, as you mentioned in James 127, the Bible instructs Christians to look after, to care for, to enter into the distress of the orphan and the widow and and care for them. And so I think first and foremost, it is a calling to the global Christian church of all denominations right? But like I also said, there's other traditions that have now said, well, our religion also calls us to care for the poor, care for the orphan, care for the widow. And and I love it that they can embrace this day. Um, It's it's kind of almost surreal to imagine that on one day, it's the second Sunday of every November, almost the whole world is coming together to look at the orphan in their community and say, how can we help? What can we do? How can we provide what they need, which is belonging and love and a family? Uh, It's pretty remarkable. So that's that's the call. It's so simple. Um, that's it, right? Just take a day and go out in your community. You'd be surprised, right? How many orphans and vulnerable children there are, how many children in foster care that need someone to know them. Um, so yeah, that it's that simple.
0: Absolutely incredible. And I just got goosebumps as you talked about, like you think about the entire planet for all doing this together, like what an impact that makes. And so Gary, some of our listeners are involved in a faith community, but some aren't. And hearing Orphan Sunday, because I'm hoping to drop your episode for 2023 well before November, they might be thinking, well, what does it take to do this? How do I celebrate Orphan Sunday, either with my church or my community? What are ideas that people can, like, what's the easy path forward? What are resources available? How do they celebrate this and join the globe in Orphan right. Sunday as well?
1: Well, a couple a of ways. Number one, there's some tremendous resources at the what's called the Christian Alliance for Orphans. Their website is CAFO.org, and I think you can just type in Orphan Sunday, and they also have um, a movement that's parallel to this, a sister movement called Stand Sunday, which focuses on foster children in the United States. Tremendous resources there to get started, to introduce the concept to your faith tradition, and uh, it usually ends up almost always, Marcy, starting with a few people who are champions for the orphan and the vulnerable, right? Right. They're a foster mom, a foster dad, they've adopted internationally or domestically, and they just start asking in their in their church, you know, hey, is anybody else adopted? What are some of the things that we're experiencing? Has anyone else thought about adopting or fostering? How can we counsel them? How can we mentor them? So it's just those small conversations that become a global movement, really, right?
0: So easy. You just go so look easy. at, look at what people are doing and start a conversation and it can be big, can be small. I think to your point, Gary, it's really about just taking the moment to help and to bring awareness to this, which is amazing. Okay. So this other topic, this is, this is the first time I've ever done this question on a podcast. And I'm really excited about it because it, it's, it's one that I'm faced with a lot. And when we connected to prepare for the interview, uh, we were talking about how orphan is a word that isn't always well-received around the world. And just a little side story for Marcy, I was working on the Forgotten Adoption Option app and I was taking it through various partners around the United States. And when I was working on that and talking through language about things, I had a partner that, and I welcomed, I welcomed the feedback, just know that Mm -hmm. first and foremost, but they were like, Marcy, please caution the word orphan when we're talking about children in foster care. And I was like, okay, what don't I know? Like, help me understand this. And they were like, well, children in foster care have... Family. They just can't live with them. And so they're not in the in the truest sense, I guess, like they're not an orphan because they still have connection. And so I would love Gary because your your whole idea is about the orphan and you've you've stuck with that word. So can you help our audience understand the various uses of this word and why that's the word you've chosen to use for the work that you do?
1: Well, it's a great question and a complex answer. Okay. So I'll just take a few minutes on that. I think everybody would understand almost clinically what an orphan is, right? That's a child under 18 who's lost either their mother or their father or both to death. That's, everybody understands that globally. But I think what has happened, um, you have different actors, if you will, that are in this space trying to help both orphaned and vulnerable children. And what happens is depending on what their flavor is of how they wanna help, they, they wanna create language that identifies exactly what they're doing to help versus who they're helping. And so I think that's where, uh, you know, and then there's some incredible people in the space, really, really smart that have been at this for a long time in the development world or in the church world, uh, or just non-government organizations that are committed to children. Um, but what I've noticed is everybody goes back and forth. I've been at this 22 years now and believe it or not, when I first started, um, and I, I asked about the orphan in Zambia, somebody immediately said the same thing to me, like, Hey, Hey, no, no, we don't say that word. Um, and I asked who they were with and they were with UNICEF. And I said, well, what word do you use? And they say, well, we refer to those children as orphans and vulnerable children, but we don't want to say that either. Because if you say vulnerable children, then it stigmatizes even the child who's not an orphan. So we just say OVC. I'm like, okay. That <laughs> so, rolled uh, up the tongue. <laughs> yeah, o- OVCs. I said, have you been using that for a long time? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. We use that. We've been using that for years here. And I said, So when you're in front of a child who's an orphan or vulnerable and you say they're an OVC, do they know what you're talking about? And they said, oh, yeah. I said, "Okay, well, let's just use orphan. then. it's just easy. I mean, we understand what it means, but I understand the sides of this and the argument of this. And I'm sensitive to it. But I've just stuck with orphan because that is our aim is our ministry as well. We work almost exclusively with orphans um, in Zambia. So. that's that's fitting. Yeah. yeah, It's fitting. fitting, So
0: yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. I think it's, and I know that we have some listeners that work in the child welfare space. So I'm sure they're very familiar with how touchy this can be, but I think you just gave us a great perspective on a different angle to look at and, and to really understand the, the core and the heart of the work that you're doing, you know, that let's not get stuck on the language. This was what makes sense in this space. And let's, let's focus on helping the children. And so kind of zooming back into Africa, Can you tell us kind of the state of how foster care and adoption in this low income country, what that's like, and how are the most orphaned abandoned and vulnerable children being cared for? Like, give us a sneak Mm. peek for those that maybe have no idea. We've, I've never been on the front lines in Africa specifically. What's that like?
1: 20 years ago, there was no foster system. um, And they were not favorable to international adoption. Um, They had not signed on to the Hague convention. So, uh, they pretty much sat with all of their orphan and vulnerable children in the country and tried to care for them through their family network, right? Um, but I would say over the last 10 years, they've, they've begun developing a foster care system. And um, I think I saw last year where about 400 families were trained in foster care. Uh, but you're talking about a country with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of orphan children, and then about 48% of all children in Zambia live in what they call extreme poverty. So vulnerability is common um, more than uncommon in a country, a low-income country like that. But there is hope that you know, domestically, uh, families are beginning to be trained in foster care. And I think their, their economy has risen a little bit over the last 20 years. And there's people that are, have means now to help. But in all honesty, uh, most children are cared for through the extended family network. That's the vast majority of care that's provided in the country. Um, is through a very extended family, you know, second, third, fourth cousins, uncles. But if you have any kind of kinship relationship, you're going to try to find somebody in your family that can care for you. Um, Then again, there's the hard side of it where uh, because of poverty, um, the most common thing you hear is we can't take another mouth to feed. Even if it is your kin, you might have four or five or six of your own children and then two or three of your brother's children. And when the next child comes, you say, I'm sorry, I can't take another mouth to feed. I, I put everyone at risk. We're already low income. So there's not an easy solution at this point. And, um, and we just work very hard with the Zambia Social Welfare Department, uh, receiving as many children as we can to help them, and then really partnering with them to begin that family tracing process. Who can we find that's kin? How do we qualify them? Are they willing and able? And uh, we walk through that process on average for about a year and a half with every child that comes to us in a crisis situation until we can get them reintegrated, which we're we're successfully doing about seventy percent of the time. And the other percent we have to deal with: can they be adopted? And if not, then where can we find family permanency for this child? Real family permanency outside of kinship, and what does that look like?
0: It's incredible. I'm thinking that you know we have. Some listeners that like, as I mentioned, they work in the child welfare space and I'm, I'm thinking from their perspective, perhaps, wow, I'm, I'm involved in this system that I know so much about here in the United States, but what a benefit it could be if I got involved in a country that doesn't have that sort of infrastructure. And so it's incredible that you're able, not that it's probably exactly apples to apples, right. But you're able to be like, we have this sort of thing and we can help get started somewhere. And to me, that's just amazing, um, to be able to bring knowledge and, and bring encouragement in a space like that, which is amazing. So one thing I want to rewind on, you mentioned um, the Hague stuff. Can you mm-hmm. uh, educate our listeners that might not be familiar? It's an acronym. If you can just kind of take us through what it is just so they can follow along. I want to make sure they know what we're talking about.
1: Uh, it's it's basically United Nations. It's It's an agreement globally of what child rights are and what child care looks like, right? And nations sign on to agree to this bill of rights, if you will, for caring for children. How are they cared for Uh, What are their rights? What will you as a government do to protect that child? And it has everything to do with, you know, limiting human trafficking and making sure that adoptions are going through a process. You know, I'm not an expert in the Hague Convention, but uh, I know Zambia, it it took them a while to sign on. But once they did, that opened up all sorts of opportunities for them uh, with UNICEF, United Nations and other funders that could help their government now uh, deal with the amount of children that they're working with.
0: Just helpful. I think even, even just the 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 surface there of the simple way to understand it just gives yeah. people an understanding. Oh, there's like this operating kind of agreement that um as yeah, we're part of, which is pretty awesome. And that mm-hmm. we're trying to um, uphold and, and encourage other nations to be part of too. So thanks for taking that one, yeah. Gary. Okay. So I'm excited to know also you're an adoptive dad. And when we prepared for this episode, you explained to me that this is your fourth child that's adopted. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us what in the world? Let I mean, you're in this work, so it kind of feels like you're probably going to adopt, but I would love to hear that story.
1: Yeah, I think, well, it's actually our fourth child, but our only adopted child. So she was our last child, right? The other three were biological births from my wife. And so, yeah, I think just being in the space, you know, Marcy, since 99 and um, uh, in 2004, Uh, We had a family member. uh, It was a teen pregnancy. And so uh, we just immediately, uh, you know, said, well, we would love to raise this child as our own. And so we, we actually went through the formal adoption process with Bethany Christian Services and did all that, mainly in case our daughter ever had that question, you know, was I wanted, was I chosen, was I loved? And and we wanted her to know that even though we're related from a kinship standpoint, no, we intentionally went out after you, and and chose you and wanted you and wanted you to know that mom and dad's names on the birth certificate are Gary and Debbie, right? So we did all that pre-birth, and wow. so that it was all set up when when she was born, she was immediately ours, and um and so we. We even chose her name specifically. I won't give her name for her own privacy's sake, but yeah. it means so worthy to be loved. And so for those two things, we wanted her to know your name was chosen before you were born and your adoption was complete before you were born because you are worthy to be loved. And so it uh, doesn't mean, you know, every adoption story has has its twists and turns. Um, hasn't been perfect. But uh, yeah, that's how we got involved in adopting our, our last born daughter, if you will.
0: But you stepped into this space and you're, you're living it out, which to me is really cool to be both like a practitioner and, and, and whatever the other word is there, you know, being able to practice what you're doing, but also like an academic in the space, like to know so much about the space and you're, you're doing it on the front lines in your own family and in another nation. And I, I just think that's such a really neat view of the world. So Gary, as we wrap, I'm sure we have some listeners that are thinking, I feel really drawn to help Gary in his work as an orphan Sunday, like kind of putting that together or in supporting the work you're doing in Africa. And I know there's many ways we can help. Where would you direct us? How can we help?
1: Oh, thank you, Marcy. Uh, The website's everyorphan.org. And um, I think probably the simplest entry point for people, since we're, we're providing a holistic model of family care from birth to basically 25 until you graduate, whatever level of education you can and start your own life um and and what drives most of that and supporting all of that activity is what we call sponsorship right 37 dollar a month sponsor you can come in at the baby home level you can come in at the family home level or even for those who have received scholarships now and are out of our family homes but we're still caring for them uh, providing for their higher education and then even launching them into adulthood and independence so Um, our sponsorship program is the core to supporting all of that activity.
0: People are probably wondering, do I get to interact with this child or family? Do I get pictures? What kinds of things do they get to know?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So let me just tell you, like at the baby homes, zero to five years old, the vast majority of those, we are able to reintegrate with families. But when that child gets to be five and needs to start school and does not have family permanency, we do have family homes. So it's a widow, four boys and four girls who create a new family together and they stay together until... All the kids are out of the house, and mom retires from that role. Um, but th- all of those children you can interact with once they're in the family home, because now they're they're learning to read and write, and yeah. So we have a great program there. Of we really want you to feel like you're the aunt or the uncle in the extended family relationship, and and really connect with the mother, the widow who's raising these kids as a single mom, um, and uh, and the kids. Yeah, they have great relationships with their sponsors.
0: Such a beautiful way to do that. So I am so glad that listeners got to hear from Gary Schneider, the the guy that helped my family story really start because we were stuck in research mode. So Gary, I have so appreciated the, we've had some really good conversation about reality. And um, I think you've been such an encouragement and a hope to our listeners. So thanks for coming on.
1: Oh, thank you, Marcy. Appreciate it.
0: As a listener of the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast, you are helping to raise awareness about foster care adoption and the 113,000 adoptable children in the United States. By leaving a review, subscribing, sharing, and talking about this podcast, you can help a child and sibling groups find their forever family. If you only have time to do one, sharing is the most impactful way to help a child who is waiting to be adopted. If you'd like more information on adopting a child or sibling group through the foster care system, please visit my website, ForgottenAdoptionOption.com. There you will find how to get started using my new and free Forgotten Adoption Option app. And you can even order a copy of my book for adults, The Forgotten Adoption Option, which guides you through the entire process. And you can find my book for children of all ages, Are You Forever Family? You can pick from paperback, audio and ebook formats, and you might even be able to find my books at your local library. Please keep me in mind as you're thinking of gift ideas and guest speakers. If you have any question about the process or you're wondering if you're even qualified to adopt, please reach out. Please send your friends and family my way too. You can easily find me by searching for Marcy Bursack on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. I intentionally carve out time each week to encourage and teach people just like you. I really appreciate you tuning in, caring, and sharing because every child deserves to be in their forever family.